You have no idea how much cardio I have to do. It's ridiculous. There's that whole thing of making it look like you're walking, and everybody else is running their asses off. Everybody thinks we just wake up one morning and start obsessing about a girl and start stalking her, killing everybody that gets in the way. That does seem to happen a lot with you guys. Garbage in, garbage out. Hello, hello, all you gigalos. Welcome to Garbage In, Garbage Out. I'm your host, Kelton, and I'm joined, as always, by my amazing co-host, Grift. How's it going, buddy? It's good. You know, just a uh, lazy, lazy, rainy Saturday here in New York. Uh, got got the Red Sox game going right now. Uh, it's, it's, it seems like whenever uh, we record, they win. So now that we're in the playoffs, uh, let's 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 keep that going. You hear that? An episode a day, every day, going from now until Game Seven <laughs> yeah. of the World Series. Why is it Game Seven if they win every time we record? I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not good at uh, baseball. So, uh, oh well but joining us this week we have whack nicholson from twitter how is it going elton i'm so glad you invited me uh truly an honor to be here with uh my new two best friends kelton and grift uh i am uh, very excited <laughs> to talk about this movie uh yes it's it's one of those really great things uh i know that as we were getting ready for the show i when i messaged and asked uh, about whether or not you had seen it it was wonderful to know that you had actually seen the movie we're talking about today beforehand oh yeah so you're also looking at this from um both a, a rewatch but also kind of a bit of a retrospective uh, point in time with it. Of course, we're talking about the uh, 2006 movie entitled Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Uh, it, it's basically kind of a half documentary, half real horror movie where we follow what's supposed to be the next real big slasher named Leslie Vernon as he gives a documentary crew exclusive access to see uh, what his methodologies are. The film does a job of uh, deconstructing conventions and archetypes that would exist in other notable serial killers like Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger. Kruger, uh, and we get to kind of get those tropes that exist within the horror genre and play on them a little bit while also creating a entirely unique and uh, very creative legacy of it, of itself. Is, is that a good synopsis slash uh, pandering point here uh, <laughs> as I'm adjusting the byline for it? Uh, in, in summary, I guess, though, uh, what do we think about this movie? Grift? This is a cute little movie. Uh, I, I liked how it like took place in a world where all of these, these supernatural uh, film serial killers are real. And are like, <laughs> and, and uh, but it did, it, it, it did obviously like, um, it, it was it was constrained by its budget for sure, and when it and when the sort of mockumentary style broke down in the in the final act, it it became like like the 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 tone became a little cheesy, whereas some of that um, was helped earlier in the movie by by the mockumentary format and the and the way it was just pl- playing on the on the tropes, whereas toward the end the budgetary constraints became more apparent and it sort of devolved into the typical. 
uh, like slasher formula, but with just a lower budget than the other, you know, movies in the genre that it's ripping off itself. You know, it's <laughs> it's it's it's, it's, it, it's sort of a, a parody that became like self parody almost. It, yeah, it, it, it took itself a little bit too seriously within the oh well now we're going to take it seriously by showing just how cool the the real life uh, version is. But uh, before we dive into that whack uh, point, counterpoint, I'm going to treat this like a talk show. Yeah, I think it's definitely a fun movie. Uh, the budget constraints really stand out a lot in it. Uh, like Griff said, um, I felt like especially the fact that they played a talking head song at the end. It's like you couldn't have <laughs> saved some of that money and written a, a similar <laughs> song or something. Uh, but it, <laughs> it, 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 yeah, it's just so funny. There's like no kills that you see on camera. They all happen off camera. And then it goes to play Psycho Killer. Uh, it's like, yeah, I know where the money went, guys. I found it. Uh, but the, yes, yeah. the movie itself is like what stood out to me most is the way that it is extremely 2006. Like it, it very much falls in this like weird thing of like pre-marvel but like i think the first saw was already out and a bunch of the like they were trying to do a bunch of reboots of different slashers and the whole thing felt like uh very much of this sort of pre the era of blockbusters that we're in now um and like has a lot more in common with uh movies from like 1999 than it does from movies uh even a few years afterward yeah, the the one way I would describe this movie for sure is a uh, Bush era, is how I would try and put it. Because I mean, it it uh, I believe the original script was written in like two thousand three. Filming uh, happened in two thousand four. It was released in two thousand six. Like the whole budget of this movie was seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So production, marketing, editing, post, all of that was 750k and so i mean it we're we're talking like a a real bare bones project i uh was fascinated shoestring you could say you you could say you could say (laughs) uh, they they get tripped every time they were trying to run away from a serial killer though so uh, (laughs) it's how it works uh but uh i i mean as with i guess just because of who i am i looked at the making of documentary that they made for the movie and <laughs> and, uh, uh, man, it, it's just a delightful behind the scenes. It's a 30 minute thing where they're talking about kind of a lot of things that occurred and uh, how happy this first time writer was to pair up with this first time director who was pairing up with like a first time production designer guy. Oh. And so like when all the curveballs that happened in production occurred, no one really had any idea of what to do. Like the big barn uh, set that they have the ancestral home of Leslie Vernon uh, that we see in the second and third act uh, apparently rained super hard while filming one day and they just <laughs> wiped out a lot of the paint and a lot of like the set construction that they had configured for it so they had to call an audible additionally the script itself had to get really slimmed down and uh, I think that that actually might have worked to its benefit because this is a tight 90 minute film that I feel like didn't really need a lot more on the back end. Like I didn't need uh, uh, another 20 minutes of kind of schlocky horror at the end. Yeah, like you almost feel like this could have worked better as like a like a 45 minute episode of TV. 
where almost you, yeah yeah where because like all of the originality and all of the the, the deconstruction of the genre tropes it takes place before it, it just turns into just a low budget version of the very stuff it's trying to parody and Precisely. i think that's that's the most effective part of the movie and it's and like the Overall, it is still pretty tight. Like, I'm never going to complain at like a 90 minute movie compared to some of the other stuff that's out never. there these days. But uh, for anyone wondering, yeah. that's 1.2 episodes of Squid Game. So just to <laughs> help help let people know, so. I need I need to check that out. I've seen a lot. Of I watched talk it about all it. in a day, man. Yesterday, oh god, oh shit. <laughs> and, so it's it's gonna uh, grab a hold of me. Yeah, pump that shit right into my veins. <laughs> I was so happy, and then I was like, well, fuck this sequel bait at the end i am not gonna watch season two no thank you netflix so yeah i think that the um a lot of the issue like the the problems you guys are talking about with as it being uh too long it being that sort of schlocky ending i think could have been really covered a lot better if they had stuck with the found footage thing of making it one or the other because um uh, so many found footage pa- paper over those kind of weaknesses just with uh, shaky cameras and, and good performances. Unfortunately. From yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, I, I admire the swing that they were going for was now we're going to show you a horror movie that has all of these tropes that we have deconstructed. So you kind of now understand in a more objective way what's going on, but it didn't sell me when, nothing really looked legit i mean right it was it was a delight to watch someone get killed with that post hole dicker and then you know <laughs> the heart the, 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 the yeah <laughs> but, oh that was that was my favorite kill easily yeah like, absolutely but taking someone's heart out of them with a digger and then putting it in their hands like that, that's that's incredible that's the kind of idea that existed before the movie i think they they wrote that <laughs> scene uh a well 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 before that script ever came out yeah, no, someone yeah. was working through some issues there. Just, uh, <laughs> no, Dad, I'm leaving to Los Angeles to become a writer. I'm going to abandon this farm, and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, I, I just really feel like when people want to talk about this movie, that there is a certain element of hyperbole that surrounds it. Because since it is relatively unknown, it's one of those things that I think very much is on the border of a cult classic versus just kind of an underrated uh, in terms of recognition, not in terms of quality level of movie. And so I think when people are reviewing it and talking about it, they want to be much more favorable than it deserves like it's very clever it's very cute and it's very good but now watching it in 2021 it's not inherently special like i remember the first time i watched it i think it was on hulu or something back in like 2010 you know when hulu was uh still viewed as like a what is this crazy website where you can watch tv shows the day after they air whoa so cool you can watch it in like 180p so such high definition the entire time um but when i was watching with ads like four times in a 20 minute episode uh, yes unskippable Uh, who can ever forget uh alec baldwin pretending to be an alien so that way then we can all have uh i don't know hulu with with ads i I forget what that (laughs) commercial campaign was um regardless like the first time i watched it i was 
kind of blown away by it. I was like, wow, this really is describing everything that goes on. This really is going into the tropes. Like, you know, how all, uh, how every serial killer needs to do a lot of cardio and needs to kind of uh, jerry-rig their entire house. Can I ask, if that's the case, if you were like impressed by it at the time, had you seen Scream at that point? Because that I is- had, I okay. had, yeah, and and I mean, Scream didn't resonate with me as oh, okay. much, uh, as much as this movie did specifically. Now, though, I feel like Scream has, so I think it is really based on the body of work because I've seen I don't know hundreds more horror movies, yeah. in the in between time, and so I think uh, uh, being aware of the subtlety uh, at which Wes Craven was able to operate in scream versus uh, some of these things are kind of blunt and hand wavy <laughs> yeah, about yeah. like, well, why do they do this, but not that I don't know. They just always <laughs> do. Ha ha ha. Look at Jim smirk to the camera. You know, yeah, exactly. um, uh, I, I will say that probably the biggest, uh, I don't know, let down or the biggest surprise to me is how no one got big off of this movie. Like the performance that the actor who plays Leslie Vernon, uh, I would have thought with that just electric, charismatic and sinister edge that he would become a a genre favorite. Yeah, he, at he, the very least. Yeah, he's great to watch. And he is also like hitting that character really perfectly, like really feels like the guy really feels kind of manic and unpredictable and still stays within like a a. a, a boundary that i think a good genre actor needs to he doesn't go like too over the top with it like like you were saying mm-hmm. wacky like keeps it within the the sort of uh sanity parameters in a, in a way right. that it doesn't cheapen the performance yeah and, and you know you would think that then when you examine his body of work and you kind of look and see uh well what else has he done it's like a whole bunch of NCIS guest spots, like one one a year, uh, kind of riding <laughs> that circuit. And then it kind of fizzled out, I think, in like 2012, 2013. So I'm sure he's doing great. I'm sure he, he's doing other things that aren't IMDb credits, you know, but uh, it's just weird to look and see like, oh, it, it, I don't know. It's like, I guess, kind of finding like a triple A AAA baseball prospect that never quite panned out. And you're wondering, yeah. like, well, why? Why did this not work? Um, and so it, it's just interesting to me. Uh, did y'all have any kind of other bird's eye view, big picture thoughts about the movie before we dive into the recap? Obviously, in, in terms of the uh, the horror uh, satirical spoof genre, like, you you always got to um like this this definitely made me uh, think and compare it to uh cabin in the woods which is now like a like a bit, it, it's 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 definitely you know a, a big budget movie but it's it's a definitely like a classic uh, like like or like a recent classic of of this sort of genre and it's i uh, like it, it 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 felt like the because this came out before Cabin in the Woods, so it, it it like it felt like we were sort of hitting these beats uh, like one one too many times because it's this this sort of like movies in this style have come out more since then. But I guess this this probably got to it first, at least as far as but like post scream like pre pre Cabin in the Woods uh, like like um, horror. Um, 
uh, uh, spoof. Yeah, I, I mean, it's certainly um, one of those things of where uh, the idea of playing something incredibly straight and no kind of smirking at the camera, winking at the camera, or doing added zaniness like a Looney Tunes character, like the scary movies do, of course, yeah. um, where that was something unique in and of itself. Yeah, so, and I, I like. I, I think one point that you made is really uh, true to this movie is the reason you'll get a lot of horror fans to recommend it is not necessarily because it's like amazing. It's because a lot of people haven't seen it. So it's easy enough for horror fans to be like, well, I'm the coolest horror guy in the room because I've seen this one too. And I think that the um, <laughs> the one thing that I kept comparing it to when I first saw it, and I assumed that it was a ripoff of the movie Creep, uh, the Mark Duplass movie. Oh, uh, yeah. Because yeah. Creep 2 is the same plot. He hires a journalist to follow him around to kill people. Um, <laughs> and, the, and, and Mark Duplass plays like the same character. So... I think Creep is a little bit better, but I also think that Duplass has been in the industry a lot longer and probably has a lot more going for him in terms of production people and things like that. Yeah, he knows way more people who've claimed to be at the Twin Towers when 9-11 happened. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, uh, that, that, that for, for people listening, if you haven't seen Creep 2, this and, this and Creep 2 would be a fun double feature. Yeah, very much companion pieces. I think um, I didn't see the second it, one, but I, the 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 first creep is is the one with, where the final scene is is the bench and the axe, right? Yes, 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 like, yes. And yeah, then the second yeah. one is like a he basically reaches out to a YouTuber and asks her to make a documentary about himself. Oh, which okay. you know you, you gotta like that just <laughs> the, the the bravado of that element, you know, uh, thing like think about how many hits and likes and. All of that other stuff you can have. I don't know. Um, th there was another one. I'm trying to remember. It had uh, Joe from Stranger Things in it. We talked about it on the podcast, uh, but I can't remember. Um, uh, it's where he plays like a killer Uber driver, essentially. Oh, and, uh, um, that, that, yeah. I wasn't on for that episode, but it was with... Uh, Rivers uh, Langley. Rivers yeah. Langley, yeah. Oh, what was that like... Uh, it's okay. I mean, you yeah, know, it, it's one of those <laughs> yeah. things of where, like, uh, I watched it and I thought it was really, really good. And then the more I got to know the director, the more I realized, like, oh, like you tripped over your dick and made something good, I think, instead <laughs> of um, uh, kind of, uh, oh, it's called Spree. That's right. Spree, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I, th but these things of where it's low budget and you're following a, a crazy character and then they don't get redemption at the end. Like th those are my bread and butter. Like I love seeing stories like that because of the idea of uh, it, it not leading or trying to create a franchise of sorts. Like you're not trying to create Leslie Vernon X where they go into space or something. <laughs> Although I'm sure uh, the actor would have loved to. Uh, yeah. And I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be against Leslie Vernon in space. I would watch it. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> the second I said that, I thought like, actually I would, I would watch that. Yeah. Uh, farm boy doing something up here. Crazy, crazy times. Uh, well, well, we'll just make uh, Apollo 18 again. I think and Robert England's character could be a robot this time. Oh yes, <laughs> he can just be Jarvis. I think That's for right. him instead uh, going through. Um, yeah, the the 
love that was clearly made or that that was clearly involved with the making of this movie is great in the cameos that they got uh robert england of course uh he plays the the ahab character uh the the uh, crazy doctor who's trying to stop the serial killer from happening of course an homage to the halloween franchise uh, and so it, it was a delight to see him in that role and then also in the behind the scenes things of where he's giving the uh, guy who plays Leslie Vernon pointers on how to be a good horror villain. So it, it was uh, pretty cool to oh, see cool. that occurring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then goodness, I can't remember the actress's name. Um, the, Zelda. The, Zelda. Yes. Yes. Something. Yeah. Uh, the the from short woman from Poltergeist. Yep. Yep. Because. I mean, uh, just getting her to play the librarian, uh, it's those little touches, you know, that uh, occur throughout. And then Herschel from The Walking Dead, of course, but, yeah. you know. And I don't uh, know if you saw it in the um, the credits, Kane Hoder, who played uh, Jason in a lot of the Jason movies, yes, was yeah, in he, uh, the Elm Street. He was credited as the guy on the Elm Street house or something like that. Which, yeah, you know, you, you gotta love that, I think. Um, did you ever watch the film Hatchet by any chance? No, I haven't seen it. Okay, no. well that that is a it's another horror movie. It's kind of a slasher, of where they got a bunch of the OG slasher movie guys, uh, and they all just kind of made a movie together. Uh, of where like there's a guy who kills people with a hatchet, and you know, uh, it's kind of a, a real like uh, who's who from the late '60s, '70s, and '80s. And so uh, that came out, I believe, also in 2006. Could be a little bit later, but um, it, it was one of those uh, also movies that you could tell it was a lot of fun for everyone involved. Uh, unlike this film, which I'm sure was fun, but it was very clear that they had Robert England for a day and a half and yeah. then Zelda for an afternoon. You know? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, all right, let's go. Uh, let, let, let's make uh, magic happen, I suppose. Um, but yeah, so let, let's get into the uh, recap a little bit here, because as we mentioned before, it's a documentary set in the world where serial killers are uh, actually famous people uh, they're real people that these are historical events that occur and so of course a white woman is deciding to make a journalism uh, graduate thesis project about this with her two buddies doug and todd and so they are uh, looking for the next big slasher and of course a guy named leslie vernon reaches out to them and he claims to be a boy from a local urban legend that uh, got possessed and killed his family and then he was drowned by the townsfolk but he's back and he's now trying to kill people which is great when they talk about how uh this happened such a long time ago 20 years ago you know well 2006 <laughs> minus 20 1986 like wow okay uh reagan had already been reelected, and <laughs> we're treating this like it's some you know dust bowl era style event um what did, what did you think, by the way, before we, we go too much further, about Leslie Vernon's killer look with the mask and the suspenders and the, the shirt and the scythe? I think the mask is really... Well, I love the, the scene where he is getting all set up and has like the eye black on and is putting the, <laughs> the stuff in his face. The um, sad clown while the Halloween music is playing. I think... Uh, yeah. The, his the, face is like wet. <laughs> the... Um, 
the fact that you see him, he never really looks the same in from like one scene to another where you see him like, even when he's not as a killer, he's like all sweaty. And then he has like the, I feel like the soul patch is more present at sometimes than others. And then when he gets into like, it's called 2006, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, so when he gets into the actual, like with the overalls and the mask and everything, I think it's very like, uh, uh, what I liked about it is that a lot of the times those killers, you see them in sort of different states where the mask is like half ripped off or like their, their clothes are ripped or they are like limping mm-hmm. for a whole movie or something like that. And you sort of get all of that throughout the entire movie, the sort of different faces of what one of these guys looks like. Yes. And I, I, this is a very, you know, um, let, let's uh, tack this on for Kelton's wiki feet entry, but uh, him being barefoot, I thought was a unique touch. <laughs> Uh, throughout you know of where it kind of added to that country bumpkin feel with the suspenders and um, uh, the fact that the the pants kind of were like capris like he had almost grown out of them you know and so he's the he's uh, the hobbit killer (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, that's only could be true if he was zelda's height unfortunately so yeah (laughs) the killer looks like they reached up two and a half feet to kill her we we don't know (laughs) what happened (laughs) yeah she was so short oh my god that was like that was some great visual comedy with with her and the, the chick in the library yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, when she's sitting down, but still taller than Zelda, it's a, it's a good time. Um, talk about a woman who just like built a brand. You know, good. Uh, so proud. We don't have she was we don't have people do. like that anymore. There's nobody who's just like kind no, of because you weird. have to be hot. Yeah, like you can't just be a weird looking person. Like it has to be uh, uh, the Jared Leto of where like instead of what was it the the House of Gucci. Uh, the movie that's coming out with Jared Leto, where instead of casting Paul Giamatti, they just did Jared Leto with enough prosthetics to where uh, he looks like Paul Giamatti now. Yeah, and I think so, we need more like I think we need more of those like niche people like her and like Elvira and uh, uh, Ernest yeah. Borgnine, these kind of like people who are just sort of strange and they're just themselves in every movie. We're really uh, we need to get back to our roots in in these. Well, genres. yeah, because these people also aren't <laughs> monsters like we like we associate right. Uh, some of these people as being but like they're regular people they're right. going to coffee shops and hanging out in la and all that plus you know they're horror actors so like their whole thing is so much different than i think drama a- actors or award season actors or right. tv actors like like you are down in the muck and the grime and <laughs> the corn syrup and you know it, it's just dirty and nasty uh ha- half of your shoots but there, there's this real camaraderie effect because everyone's timing has to be right and the blocking has to be set just so to where you know you don't feel like there's a lot of egos at play because it's everyone having to collaborate together to make something properly function. Right, right. But uh, that that's also me romanticizing a genre. I think on the production side, uh, few people I know from like movie set world, uh, they they have all the complaints about action movies. Apparently, those are like the worst uh, in the world. Yeah, they keep on having to pay Daniel Craig millions more every time he tries to quit these James Bond. Yeah, he wants to leave so bad, but they, he wants to become Foghorn Leghorn and Knives Out too, but they just won't let him. Uh, it's so bad. 
Um, I, I know, I'm I'm kind of stoked to watch uh, time to no time to die. I was about to say time to die, but that that's the opposite of the point of the movie, apparently. <laughs> so, um, I, I, I let, let's do it. One last ride that is for sure the last time. We swear, guys. What it did well. All right, let's bring <laughs> him back. <laughs> the resurrected corpse of Daniel Craig. Um, let's see. Let's see. So, uh, I mean, just to kind of jump around a little bit here, uh, of, of course, later on, we find out that uh, Leslie Vernon is, uh, I think his name is Leslie Manhouse, I, if I remember correctly. Like Mancuso or something? Yeah, yeah. And, and he just kind of, yeah, of course, the yeah. dirty Italian. <laughs> Italian excellence. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cast this guy to be Luigi instead. Uh, uh, let's make that occur. Um, I I just feel like the the idea of well, actually, he's not a supernatural killer. He's just a guy from Reno, Nevada, who left in uh, a mental uh, health asylum and all that sort of stuff. Like that kind of helped it feel grounded, but then that raised other questions of like, well, how is Freddy Krueger real? Yeah, like, that, it raised a lot of questions because uh, you have to suspend a lot of disbelief right off the bat just because the idea that Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, not only are they all real, they're all real in the same universe at the same time. So the fact that we have several supernatural, unkillable killers would, first of all, suggest that there are other movies might be real, like Hellraiser might be real and the real devil. Oh my god. <laughs> Could could that be the sequel? Leslie Vernon and Finding going down, hanging out with Pinhead. Oh. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then to find out that he's a fake, uh, I felt like that beat was maybe a little uh, a step too far. Like they, we didn't yeah. really need him to be fake in order for him. To, like he's already not a good guy that they shouldn't really trust anyway. I, and I, I I hear where you're coming from. The only counterpoint is. I don't think regular audiences who I think that this film was trying to break out to, uh, I don't think that regular audiences were quite ready to have the ungrounded, uh, the gritty realism not be a part of their movie. Like this is still all the X-Men have to be wearing dark leather the entire time. Otherwise people won't believe that the claw man and the laser <laughs> eye man uh can fight over the the bird girl 100 <laughs> that does the problem with that is that in the sequel where he's supposed to come back that's going to be fucked up because he's now got to be like oh i actually am uh me uh, uh leslie mancuso is actually even more powerful than that fake guy i'm actually even better Say his name, Leslie Mancuso. Yeah. Oh, we gotta, <laughs> we gotta work on that. Leslie Mancuso, <laughs> Leslie Mancuso, Leslie Mancuso. <laughs> oh no, it's Candyman rules. He pops up right <laughs> behind you. Find the mask to the rise of Mancuso. <laughs> yes, it writes itself. Let there be uh, Mancuso. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I mean, I just felt like uh, that was again very. Uh, uh, indicative of that Bush era mentality that I think a lot of people were as we were opening the door to the fantastical realism yeah. that we weren't quite uh, there for yet. But needless to say, um, as we follow the, the movie and follow this fake documentary, 
that's going through. Uh, Leslie is now uh, orchestrating, or he's planning to orchestrate a killing spree at his family home. It's that farm I was talking about earlier that was in the woods. And we kind of are given this crash course about all the theater techniques and his uh, physical training regime that occurred. Uh, one of the deleted scenes that I thought was wonderful, I'm so sad that the full element didn't make it into the movie, was uh, it's a long shot bet that Leslie does with Taylor about uh, where he bets that he can walk behind her and still get to a tree in the middle distance. Uh, before she can and she can run as fast as she wants and uh it, it was playing on that horror trope of how do they always look like they're just walking at you um but still go fast and it just shows that anytime she's not looking at him he's running at full speed right behind her so it's red light green light essentially yeah, he'd be great at that. <laughs> And that it, was some just, of the best comedy, like those those scenes with with him like working out and and being all stealthy and like she's <laughs> showing showing the actual mechanics of how someone how like a killer trying to creep around in one of these horror, horror movie settings would actually need to move and then just little like camera <laughs> asides of him like just like uh, vaulting over. Uh, like bookcases in the library or whatever. Yes, <laughs> uh, I, I could watch a whole show that just is about that. It's a an HGTV show, but the H is for horror this time. You know, um, uh, what's his name? Ty Carpenter, who I think that's what Leslie kind of looks like already a little bit. Um, but you know, let, let, let's follow that show and see what what occurs. Just the first um, episode is a remake of the HH uh, Holmes house. yeah also how does he have the money to have two different residences that he's paying the electricity on you know i want to see those utility bills leslie let's see uh what what, what's happening here Uh, his his wife is uh she works on wall street he's like um the 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 barefoot contessa he's the male version oh okay i see i see Uh, just another bored house husband turning to serial killing yeah yeah, oh man! He, didn't he say like the house was in like a trust or something? And yeah. So like, yeah. yeah who? There, who runs there was the some hand waving. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so, some guys like, well, uh, how many teenagers died? No, that's not going to help the retail value <laughs> at all. Oh uh, no! But tourist attraction, yeah, we could do that. We could do that, I suppose. Um, so uh, as the we are introduced a little bit to what. Leslie's ultimate game plan is we're also shown uh, his ideal victim, the survivor girl, as the industry term is for it. Not final girl, because I think that's copyrighted because that's a book or a movie or something, but uh, survivor girl. And it's a 17-year-old named Kelly Curtis, who is the most 30-year-old looking (laughs) 17-year-old I have ever seen in my fucking life. Um, She's uh, Evan Hansen's girlfriend. (laughs) <laughs> yeah uh th- there's uh later when the, all the teenagers are in the house the jock guy or i think it's the jock guy anyway he has uh the beginning of a receding hairline oh no i'm like oh man okay come on buddy like <laughs> we gotta put a wig on that we gotta you know just put some shoe polish on that section something here because first, uh, first it rained on the big scene on the big climax scene and now the the uh the jock has male pattern baldness they can't catch a break <laughs> <laughs> um 
Yeah, it's just as interesting as they're trying to go through the group dynamic of like, well, who do you need from various friend groups? And Grift, I think, uh, you know, when you were talking about the cabin in the woods, that did that element a thousand times better about trying to explain why there is one of each kind, because this was very hand wavy of like, well, you want a virgin and then you want there to be like a good mix of people because then you can kill them. Yeah, that's why. Well, what I did like like about this is that is that Leslie talks about his personal politics and he's very clearly like a hardcore conservative. Um, So, yeah, that was like, yeah, yeah, (laughs) like. (laughs) <laughs> I don't want to interrupt, but that yeah, moment in particular, I know. Yeah, when he talks please, about like, please, being pro life yeah. and like he yeah. says life begins at conception, uh, and then talks about something else too. Uh, he says something about taxes, I think, or something. But he's like very clearly like a conservative, and I think that yeah. at least makes a little bit more sense as to like why these I mean- kids smoking dope and having premarital sex <laughs> need to die. Yeah, I, I th- there was a lot of uh, you know kind of angry suburban dad rage pent up. I think inside Leslie just a little bit. Um, the thing, wouldn't the that thing be I interesting? Love, like, oh, go yeah, ahead, Griff. Like, oh, just that that scene in particular, like the the um, uh, Taylor, the woman, the 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 uh, journalist running the documentary thing. Like she's so far, she's like completely down with everything that he's doing like she she seems to be fine with the fact that he's like planning these murders and she's ready to document it but but when he uh, reveals his conservative view she's like wait what like it's it's the it's the first moment of her like questioning him and like <laughs> being like oh there's, there's something off about this guy i don't know yeah <laughs> come on come on uh now look i i didn't think that you would have voted for him again come on now <laughs> 2004 election come on leslie uh <laughs> Uh, it just comes down to it. Property taxes are too high. It's something I care about in my trust that I have. <laughs> yeah, with, it makes it my- like that part particular where she's like, oh, are you saying that you're pro-life? And it's like, lady, I think that um, I think that questioning this guy at any point is going to be, I mean, it just makes her look stupid, really. It makes the character look not very smart to not realize I- that she believes he's a killer, but also that that's like somehow... She has the, the, mores or, or morals around this. Yeah, it's it's all it's weird. It's almost like people who have an infatuation with like that certain period of their childhood of which they got stunted. Like they might have more traditionally conservative, not to mean like you know, in a political way, just meaning like in the like sheltered and yeah. uh, put at a standstill sense and viewpoint of how the world works of an overly simplistic way. Like yeah. no, come on, like all of that tracks that like that's every serial killer. Yeah, uh, uh, all all serial killers had their rod. Paul face. <laughs> <laughs> They've all put uh, Ayn Rand uh, uh, five stars on Letterboxd. Okay, like they they thought that Atlas Shrugged was really getting shafted. I think uh, when it came down to it. Um, but uh, or or maybe it was like a weird like form of lib dunking at the time. They're like, oh, look, look at this guy. He is uh, pro life, huh? Isn't that? <laughs> wild we're willing to say it that's right us indie film project at south by southwest really sticking it to the man <laughs> at this point in 2006 this, uh-huh. this showtime original film is really going to give it to the hypocrites at the gop 
Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I interpreted that scene mostly as making fun of the um, the liberal white woman for ha- not having a problem with with uh, planning and documenting murder. But uh, so some, if the killer has uh, some some conservative uh, traditional social views, uh, no, that's red flag right there. That is like I, at know. the core of like the big issue with this movie i think what hurts it the most is that we don't have like as audience there's no real like way in there's nobody who we're like on the side of because like i said she comes off as kind of an idiot and this guy is a a serial murderer and so um there's no like person to be like oh i am there's no there's nobody in your head that you'd be like oh i am this person in this situation which you'd have in almost all slasher movies like there's somebody who is either like uh, uh, just like you in some way, and and, and audience be- standing, yeah, 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 and mm-hmm. because of like the weaknesses in her character and the way that and and the way that she sort of does the face change at the end of the movie, it's hard to be like, oh well, that's the audience standing when when she's kind of unlikable. A little bit, yeah. I I mean, like she, the performance is interesting because you know. Like for for being a grad student in journalism, but also oh big spoilers here for this movie that came out uh let's see fifteen years ago um like oh she's the survivor girl right like oh how how on earth could she be a virgin at this point and it's like that seems like uh maybe almost like there might have been like a a weird sub thread about two people with uh slightly more conservative views than initially letting on because yeah absolutely maybe she could have been like in a mental institution herself and that's why she wants to study him that's why she is a virgin something like that where they have like some sort of connection or something and listen i know that we're saying like what about all of these ideas that could have actually probably been in the script and they would have said okay and those location shoots wonderful do you have do you have an insane asylum that we can go yeah, use? let me rent your no? let me rent your hospital real quick sir yeah uh the, the gorilla style ki- <laughs> i'm getting a kick out of your implication there that uh, if if uh, if an adult is still a virgin, then that's a, a red flag for uh, having spent some time in a mental institution. <laughs> yes, that, that is exactly what we're saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? Uh, uh, prove him wrong, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would love to get that. That's the, the reason they got put there. What's <laughs> the lack Hi. of sex? <laughs> she got put Excuse there at twenty-two me. because nobody wanted to date her. So the hysteria. You yeah. don't understand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> this broad can't uh, attract a husband. <laughs> she's she's twenty five and unmarried. Oh no! Put the old crone away. Oh goodness! <laughs> to the nunnery. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. Uh, later on, when uh, Leslie and and the whole documentary crew, uh, he introduces them to uh, his mentor named eugene who uh was was a real popular serial killer in the 60s late 60s so uh my guess is the zodiac killer i thought that maybe that's what they were hinting at but his name wasn't gary yeah that's what (laughs) i thought that uh, the first time i saw it too he was supposed to be like a real serial killer like the zodiac or something but i just read i was reading the wikipedia page today and he was apparently supposed to be the killer from black christmas because that's considered like the first slasher oh, movie 
Okay, yeah, yeah, that works. But hey, you know, that was, I'll that take was like it. a version of the script where he plays the killer from Black Christmas, but then they were like, no, we're going to make him sort of like an amalgamation because, like, so he's kind of the guy from Town the Dreaded Sundown. He's kind of the guy uh, uh, from Black Christmas. He's kind of the guy from, uh, or one of the guys from uh, Last House on the Left. He's kind of all those sort of listen, guys. Listen, you know, when, when you get when you get that actor who can kind of do all different modes, uh, why not have him be friendly grandpa with a dark and troubled <laughs> past? Um, yeah. You know, because uh, it was such a weird a uh, mini speech, a soliloquy of uh, how by explaining to the crew uh, that by acting as this super evil, that they act as a counter to to help bring out all of the good that exists in the world, which was like a real, oh boy, you went to, to film school and were real influenced by Fight Club, weren't you? <laughs> like, like uh, it's that, uh, you know, the next sandwich he has will be the best sandwich of his life. Uh, or whatever the fuck Brad Pitt was talking about in Fight Club, like it's it's that same mentality of like it will make people be appreciative if you put them through the the grinder or through a, a literal meat grinder. It's also we, the, we the mentality that. of women weren't allowed to write movies for the most part until about two years ago, so like they weren't running this by anybody else, like. And thank God, because Phoebe Waller-Bridge is helping make No Time to Die an amazing film. Let's go do this. Come on, girl power. Let's go join the Air Force. Captain Marvel, let's make it happen. Uh, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a joy. Um, but I, I, I just think that uh, when, when they're talking about serial killers and how uh what was he talking about like well back in my day you just wanted quantity like you were you were just going for sheer it was a numbers game now there's there's style elements to it you have to build the lore you know he was talking about how it's too complicated for me you know the, yeah. these damn serial killers and their iphones huh uh <laughs> <laughs> that, that was why i sort of got zodiac vibes from him too because he was referencing back when in like the 60s and 70s when you would just have these serial like spree killers which you don't really like the the way it manifests itself now at least in real life is is mass shootings you don't really have the you don't really have the um the the, the serial killer uh with the, this like public persona through the media who would tease out the country from one kill to the next it's all it's because the, the the way you get the media spectacle is all at once now you can't, yeah, you can't can you imagine a mass shooter like who would write out uh, a, a full manifesto instead of an email thumb drive <laughs> that happens now oh my god uh how many mass shootings would have been stopped do you think back in the day they're like i would i would shoot up my school but i have to explain myself and, <laughs> oh man oh, just, my hand is cramping so bad yeah it's not gonna work i can guarantee these these would be brought up by uh by the eugene character uh if if they do make this <laughs> sequel scott wilson is going to be like yeah now days the kids they don't want to have to put in the work they just shoot up a, a mall and then they call themselves done or whatever you know that actually wouldn't be the worst thing uh to, nah. to if there was like a, the, a new character that was like a, a this might be a little too dark but yeah. like an <laughs> upcoming uh school shooter uh because then you would have the three different ages you know uh of uh of what 
is considered like horror as a genre. Yeah, so he's just on 8chan calling people the N-word. And they're like, these kids these days, they don't know how we used to put in this work and have to work run or whatever. <laughs> We didn't have yeah. a message board full of supporters like you do, okay? <laughs> yeah, people who would help encourage us when we were feeling self-conscious. <laughs> they, they really used to put in the work. I mean, uh, when when you have, carry all your guns up to the 57th floor of a building, that's, <laughs> that's when you know it's real. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, it's uh, just... Just an awful day for country music, I think, across the board, you know, um, right up there with a little Nas X performing, I think, right? You're talking about when the- Jason Aldean covered um, Don't Back Down that Saturday night on <laughs> SNL, right? Yes, precisely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. Worst thing to ever happen uh, associated with a Jason Aldean event. Um, yeah, uh, it, it just is. Uh, I, oh, oh, I guess before I forget, my favorite quote that existed from the movie was uh, they they were asking for any advice about how to uh, survive a serial killer, and uh, 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 the uh, Jamie, the wife of Eugene, is who we find out was a survivor girl herself. But then I guess Stockholm syndrome or something kicked in. And so, you know, she says, I'll, I'll tell you, never hang out with a virgin. You got a virgin in your crew. Either get somebody in her pants or get the hell away from her. And then Eugene follows up with, aside from that, the simple answer is run like a motherfucker and don't stop till the sun comes up. Like, yep. Yeah. I mean, you know, saying what everyone in the audience is thinking. Uh, exactly. Just, you know, run as far away as you can and don't stop. So, I don't know. Did did y'all like uh, the, that whole element of talking to the past and then the advice? Or did you think that it was a little heavy-handed towards the end with what they were trying to do with foreshadowing? Like you said, it's hard to criticize because of the, because of the, the issues they had actually making the movie. But, yeah, I, I think that... Uh, you, there's a lot of like people monologuing to each other about like what they think is like good killing, good killers, good good slashing. Um, that it feels like they never feel like conversation. Like the dialogue doesn't feel like they're really having a back and forth. And that is what got to me more than them actually saying it on screen. Like the movie is very much like in its in its way of being like. This is uh, what is real life. This is what it is. So I was kind of willing to go along with it there. But the fact that they just sort of want to seem to get all of this out there to show that they're aware of these tropes, that's what felt like too much. I don't know. Maybe it comes from the fact that they were trying to blend. Like they were trying to comment on something while then at the same time later on showing that they trying to be an actual horror movie. Mm. I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's kind of where things got muddled. Um, but uh, so, yes, uh, of course, by talking with the mentor, that's then where uh, it's suggested to kill the librarian, uh, the the poor old lady from the exorcist, uh, you know, j- uh, poltergeist. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, just mixing things up here in my notes. Um, now, uh, when, when she, gets killed uh, or later she does get killed but the setup of using cgi to uh create a fake news article 
for the uh, uh, survivor girl to look up. I thought that that was a pretty ingenious way to get things rolling and uh, maybe kind of fun because it would be like if someone were to make like an entirely fake uh, website for someone to see. And like, this is like what the, the evidence shows, but it could be all fake evidence on the website. Folks, see you then. They're putting fake news in the microfilm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, God. Leslie. Oh, I can't wait to find out that Leslie uh, has like a, a 2024 <laughs> just like a, a stolen election vibe to oh, him. Yeah, the there's, no, time. there's no chance of any subtlety whatsoever if they make the sequel. Trump is going to be in the second film uh, in one way or another. God, uh, yeah, uh, you know uh, what? Then l- let's uh, keep on, let's keep on pushing that Kickstarter down the road, okay? <laughs> you know, let's <laughs> let's see what twenty twenty eight has in store. Just just to you know uh, make make things going here. Um, but at the library, that's where where we are introduced also to Doc Halloran, who is of course the character played by Robert England, who uh, portrays the Ahab, aka the guy who is trying to stop the serial killer, the person who exists as a trope in every movie. Um, I thought that it was really cool to see Robert England in that role, of course, because it's flipped from his normal uh, uh, horror shtick. But more specifically, I thought that it was uh, commenting on something from a very specific time frame, because I think horror movies at that time still had the ACAB uh that exists it feels weird to say uh, uh not a cab ahab uh, i'm sorry um uh, A-cab. the ahab very different vibe i think in general um, uh, i believe in serial killers also uh, we need to defund the police those are the uh, two tenants that exist here but um i think that the ahab character just does not exist in modern horror whatsoever now it has been taken over by the uh uh, exposition spewing uh what what would be the right term the the expert like the random professor that kind of zoom calls in to do like a three minute uh montage uh, yeah. over a slideshow and you know? speaking of a cab like so many actual like horror movies like this slasher movies like this now the heroes are the police like all of the saw movies it's the cops so there's no need for like a guy to try to like be hell bent because the police are the ones who are doing it. Like they get the expert to come in or whatever, but, but there's like not that same impartiality of just like a person who is a victim or a person who is like interested in it for some reason. Well, yeah, well, like, they, you know, they immediately bring the cops in, and they're yeah. like, "The fuck? Why, why? Why do we have to deal with this shit? <laughs> <laughs> Who do we call? I can't call nine one one. Such a great, such a great sequence that occurred. Um, and the the answer is call a mental health professional. I think if you have a twin emerging from the back <laughs> of your skull, uh, get help, please. <laughs> Do not let them do kung fu backwards inside of a police <laughs> do station. Not call, do not call the kid Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. The malignant monster versus the Stranger Things kids just fucking like, carving them up. That is not impossible. That, that is not out of the question. That could certainly happen. <laughs> um. So, of course, the, the big reveal happens where Leslie has to admit that he's not supernatural. Um, 
And this is where we get a hint because the the adorable main character now suddenly has a sinister hard edge to him. And I really appreciated that in the movie because I hate when they don't give any real exposition or uh, trying to explain why such a sudden emotional shift would occur in the character. So like what you were mentioning, Wack, he seems pretty manic throughout. And so to see like the downside of of those manic episodes, uh, it, it it was a nice touch. I yeah. Think. Um, yeah. You 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 really got the full uh, the, the the full scope of his emotions because you when in the, earlier in the movie you saw when he, he saw his plan coming together and his 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 sheer happiness was that was actually like a touching emotional moment. Very much so, in a truly bizarre sense. Yeah. You're like, am I feeling something right now for him? And he's like, I'm just so happy. <laughs> it's, it's everything I could have wanted. Like, oh, oh God, Leslie. Oh, please, just go into politics instead. You can kill way more people, and no one will get upset at you <laughs> instead. Yeah, you, you, you can be a, an awkward guy on the spectrum there, too. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Leslie, Leslie is a full-blown Chad. In the realm of <laughs> politics, like, I, I want you to imagine, like uh, Ted Cruz or someone uh, is uh, they're they're at like the the cafeteria just outside, located in this in the city hall section. If there's one pudding cup, uh, Leslie is not going to let go of that pudding cup. Ted Cruz doesn't stand a chance. He's going to mad dog him the You'll entire time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not making a political statement. He just took what was mine, and so uh, <laughs> I. Am ended it um uh so uh the documentary crew is getting cold feet they're considering wanting to to end the uh the documentary and so we uh kind of then get this element of where like no we're not going to end this we are gonna uh follow through we are going to be impartial which i don't know if that was commentary on the gonzo journalism that seemed to be increasing in popularity at the time um, cause like this, this is like right as OG vice was getting popular, you know, of, of like, we're going to film a whole bunch of fucked up stuff that happens and then tell you about all this fucked up stuff that happened. And no, we didn't try and stop it because, you know, we're journalists and we don't have those resources or capabilities, but we are raising awareness. You know, um, I don't know if that was some possible commentary on something like that, but you know, um, that, yeah, that's, I mean, this was also during the height of like the sort of paparazzi media culture too. Yeah, like that, yeah. that, that mid aughts style. Yeah. Um, Brittany hadn't even shaved her head yet. I don't think so. You <laughs> but know? This is, it was Just, around the time, or I guess it was right before. Cause that, that South park episode about it, about Brittany losing her mind. Um, like it was definitely in the culture. People were like sick of paparazzis, sick of people like it, being in, in celebrities face. Like, we kind of were aware of it. I don't know if it was specifically a comment on Vice, but there was definitely that in the zeitgeist at the time. Sure, sure. And I think that then, of course, that's when the the shift occurs from the the documentary style into the full blown actual horror movie. And I feel like that's also when the third act really starts to lose steam entirely. It's because, you know, you've seen everything get laid out, so it doesn't feel suspenseful really as much as like, okay, he's going through the methodology, and then wouldn't you know it, he had already planned on killing everybody, 
instead, like he knew that you guys would try to uh, stick around, which I mean, uh, even watching it for the first time, I would I had guessed what the twist was, you know, of like, oh, she's actually the survivor girl. Whoa, crazy! It, I don't know. How, Griff, was this the first time that you had watched this movie? Yeah, this is the first time I've seen it. Okay. The, the the reveal of the the virgin not being a virgin was was played pretty funny. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Hopping on his stick. dick like a pogo stick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. definitely not her first time. Dude. No, can you imagine if it was yet. though? Can you imagine? Like, oh, uh, she'd be I, the chosen the, one. The the porn parodies <laughs> were right. <laughs> it is true. That is exactly how it happens. Oh my god. Uh, man, uh, right down to the uh, wearing unmarked jerseys with no team names, just uh, one color set on top of another color set. Good job. Go West High School or whatever the fuck it was. Um, so uh, as Leslie is doing his killing spree, um, we, of, of course, are, are led to believe that this Kelly is the survivor girl. Of course, she's not, though. She's not a virgin. Dun, dun, dun what all is going to end up happening. And uh, that's when we find out that the um, Taylor, the, the main chick, that she actually is a virgin, and she's the one who all of this trial by fire has been for. So uh, as people are getting picked off left and right, it eventually is uh, basically Taylor and Leslie left. So they, they are able to do a face-off. And um, I, I don't know. Their fight just really did not ring true for me of like we had we had seen how strong and how fast and all of that leslie was before and so it, it feels weird that she was able to s slide the scythe into his ribs um w without him noticing or ha having like i don't know like a belt loop that the scythe would go into so it couldn't be taken from him it, it just feels um but weird that that's how he went out yeah if there was something either one like Le a scene where Leslie actually isn't ready for this, where like uh, uh, the 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 character, uh, the old guy, like pulls him aside and is like, "You need to get a better outfit. Like you're you're letting your weapon hang out." Or if there was a scene where, um, or like a part in that scene where where there's some sort of divine intervention type of thing of like, "No, this is actually how it has to go to balance out the evil," or something like that. Uh, yeah, some some yeah. sort of acknowledgement that. Uh, this is just sort of what's going to happen next. Because, I mean, even the actual kill, uh, again, budgetary reasons, she gets his head into a, a vice and she's cranking down on it. And then she cranks and you kind of hear a crack. But then that's it. We don't see anything. And so I, I legitimately thought like, oh, she's she stunned him because he's that now pretending to be dead. You know, like like that. that's what it we had seen before. That, that sequence was shot kind of strangely because, like, she was cranking the thing and then you heard a crack and then you saw his head and then he looked like he was just, like, sleeping. And then, and then she, and then, and then, like, wait, uh, wait, didn't she just kill him? And then she gives it another turn and it, you actually hear the crack noise. But again, you never, you never actually see the payoff there because of probably, like, budget, con budget constraints or, yeah, yeah, like, absolutely. they, they, 
they couldn't they couldn't simulate an, an eyeball popping out of his crack skull. They can't do it. They refuse to do it. It's a conspiracy, I believe. Uh, one one note that I forgot to mention earlier is that the cinematographer uh, for this movie is actually, I guess, the quote unquote breakout of all of this. Because he has now gone on to work in the camera and photography department on larger budget things like The Last Jedi, Aquaman, Rampage, Damn. and is actually going to be doing uh, Knives Out too. So, wow. you know, uh, yeah, I, I mean, but that's the only thing. And so I think that uh, it's not surprising that, you know, the uh, one of the good elements from this uh, kind of ended up being capable of transferring to something else uh, of where maybe this uh, first time writer, first time director combo, maybe this was their one good idea that they have as white guys. And yeah. then, you know, um, <laughs> well, he did. It's okay. He did say in like 2018, he wants to make a sequel, which honestly, I don't blame him. You know, if you, <laughs> he probably felt like he was on the top of the world in the, the, the summer of 06. Yeah, oh, man, the the hottest shit. You win uh, the horror award uh, at South by Southwest. You're like, it's only up from here, baby. That's right. Uh, and then you know, you make a bad horror movie with a soundtrack by a day to remember, and then you're like, well, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It's it's over for me. Game over, man. Um, yeah, so, so that's kind of then, um, how the movie ends, uh, Taylor, she, she burns everything down. Um, she, w her surviving camera guy, and then also Doc Halloran are there. Uh, and then, uh, we watch security cam footage at a morgue, uh, with the talking head psycho killer, as you mentioned, whack. And then, uh, Leslie gets up done, done, done cut to black. Okay. Wonderful movie. Uh, applause all the way around. You are about to just score with the hottest co-eds that the University of Texas has to offer. Congratulations. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, now we get to the section where we get to discuss, is it garbage or is it not? Whack. What are, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, no, it's not garbage. Uh, it's definitely worth watching. Um, and as I said, it's definitely a good companion piece to uh, a few of these other meta commentaries um, or like other found footage. I, I really, I, I think it's fine. Uh, it's, it's definitely like, I'm a person who's seen like, so many horror movies at this point that this is definitely one you want to see. But I, I think what I really liked a lot about it was that there is this sort of like right off the bat, it, it, it wants you to suspend disbelief in such a way that it's like, not only are these things real, they're all real in the same universe. And this is where we are existing for this, this movie. I, and I mm -hmm. feel like even independent movies, a lot of times, like you take something like squid games, which is really inventive. And I, 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 like I haven't finished it, but I liked it so far. And and there's a lot of like interesting things, but there's a there's an element of hand holding all throughout where it's like, this is so crazy. Why are we still doing this? And and uh, behind the mask really doesn't do that. Like behind the mask yeah. is like, we're already doing it. Like we don't have to keep coming back to why does this exist? Why is this happening? And I, I like that element of it a lot, that that it just is sort of unapologetic in its own like existence. Um but I, I felt very like of its time, as I said, it felt it feels very like much like a time capsule of, of the attitudes around horror and around social politics of 
2006. Especially in that indie circuit, I think. Right. You know? Um, yeah, absolutely. Grift, what about you? Oh, uh, yeah. It's it's not garbage. Um, they, they're obviously dealing with budget constraints, and they did what they could. Uh, and, and, and until it sort of broke down into a... Um, like a very stereotypical slasher movie at the end. It, it, it was, it, it, it was a good time. It had some funny, funny things to say about the genre, which, uh, I, I think more so than any other is sort of bound by these, uh, the, these, these script conventions that lead to again and again, they, they can make movies just like literally just the point of them is to just harp on the fact that these, these characters in these types of movies have to, have to, have to walk this path and, and, and all of the, <laughs> in all, all of the ridiculousness and, and, and why, why we make them do that is, is always an eternal question. So it, it's, it's definitely like a, a member of the horror spoof canon, I'd say. And, uh, definitely, definitely, yeah, definitely just, not garbage. I'm glad we can keep it right up there. Congratulations. You know, for anyone listening, just imagine we're we're going down the Indiana Jones corridor with all the different crates, and then we're opening one, and we're deciding, yes, we are putting it in into good horror movie spoof uh, box, and then you know, <laughs> locking it all away. Uh, I, I really like this movie. I, the first two thirds I thought were great. You know, um, kind of one of those like the first act, like an eighty. Out of a uh, hundred, the second act was like a hundred out of a hundred, and the third act was like forty out of a hundred. You know, of where uh, it's delightful uh, with a small budget at the beginning, but then the constraints really kind of got uh, shown. But the fact also that no one kind of got big from this movie in the acting world almost adds to the charm because you really kind of feel like. These people could be anybody. It isn't like you're like, whoa, I can't believe it's this person when they're known from this other role instead. So um, I, I enjoyed it. But now we get to the, the most fun part of all, uh, the final section. We get to talk about plugs. Whack, where can people find you? What have you got going on? Oh, please do follow me on Twitter. I um, devour your attention and your praise, and I uh, will die without <laughs> it. Uh, so please follow me and tell me how great I am. Uh, you won't be lying. I am uh, an excellent uh, Twitter follow uh, at Wack Nicholson, Silent H and Wack, W H A C K N I C H O L S O N. Yeah, perfect, great, perfect. Great uh, Twitter follow. <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> Listen, uh, you know, uh, it's wonderful to see people who can continue to post consistently and not have the bird app shut them down. So, uh, oh, it's it, happened. You're able. <laughs> Well, you still have your account, it's sir. So come on, you know, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's like Rocky in the fifth round. You, That's you right. got this. Uh, no worries, uh, Grift. What about you? What's happening in the shop? Uh, we got the we got the Dorner screen printed tees. Those are rolling off the presses. Uh, we got uh, the the uh, trash hats, which a lot of people have taken a liking to. Kelton included, yes. uh, which he will be purchasing if the Astros win the World Series, and also hopefully if they don't. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, I'll also be getting a trash can tattoo, you know. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, I think it's, think it, it's it time to. Yeah, we gotta we gotta switch up from recycle emojis to trash can emojis. We gotta go all <laughs> all in on the garbage. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's it. Uh, reject the green pill. 
I think is uh, what, what we'll <laughs> yeah. be doing here. <laughs> so awesome deal. Uh, as for the podcast itself, you can follow us on Twitter and Letterboxd at Gigo Podcast. We'll, I mean, we'll be getting back to doing like little clip summaries and uh, things like that on Letterboxd. I haven't been uh, on the up and up with it of late, uh, just simply because uh, this weird thing called life and doing literally anything else uh, than going back and logging movies I've watched like six months ago when my heart's not in it. It's not nearly as fun. Um, for, uh, let's see. Oh, oh, yes. Uh, for Spotify and for iTunes, of course, uh, go ahead and leave us a review. That's always helpful. Rating us helps us out even more. I now can say that because Spotify is allowing people to uh, start rating things five stars uh, on it. So let, let's go ahead and do that. Let's rate us highly on that. Let's create a whole bunch of empty fake accounts and then arbitrarily <laughs> rank our podcast high. I believe in the ability. We can make it happen. I have a dream. Uh, me. That's a quote from me and no one else. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, any closing thoughts, y'all? No. Uh, go Astros, I suppose. <laughs> yes. Thank that's you. So that's right. To you. The uh, entire way, all the way through. No conflict of interest here on this show. <laughs> that's right. Uh, all right. Let's say goodbye. Peace. Deuces. Deuces.